Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Hey, podcast listeners. Thank you for being here. I hope you're having a lovely day. Today, I have an amazing guest to impress you with. Her name is Kimberly Dillon. She's a a professional speaker, a startup coach, a TED speaker, the founder of Frig and Plant and Prosper. So excited to hear about all of that. She's a serial entrepreneur. She has 15 years of experience in marketing, and her expertise is in leadership, innovation, and professional growth. Welcome, Kimberly. I'm so excited to chat with you. Where are you calling from today? I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am calling from Studio City, which is right outside of Los Angeles, and there is not a cloud in the sky. Oh my goodness. I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and we have clouds everywhere and snow. (laughs) (laughs) We're having opposite. (laughs) Totally different Monday, but you know, I love snow. This is where I'm from. So is that where you grew up? I am originally from California. I grew up as a competitive figure skater, so I did spend a lot of time in Colorado, so I do know how to be cold. I just <laughs> not to be. Yes, I, I hear you. It's not for everyone. So we met recently because you were at a, speaking at a conference, and I had the pleasure of being your speaker coach, and that was such a fabulous experience. As soon as I heard you talking, I was like, I know that I want to have this woman on my podcast. I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to have. But I was thinking about this earlier before I had a podcast, which has only been since August. I have always wanted a podcast because I'm like, I meet so many incredible people and the things that they're doing are wild. And like, I want to share these stories. So I'm so happy that I get to do that with you today. Amazing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where do you want to start? You have a speaking career. You're an entrepreneur. Like you have so much going on. What's going on for you this week? Yeah. So I am currently fundraising. So I have a wellness brand called Frig and we fight the impacts of stress using plant medicine. And those medicines can be cannabis. It can be hemp. It can be mushrooms, adaptogens, and herbs. Frigg, if you follow Marvel or uh, Norse mythology, is Thor's mother in the Marvel Mm. movies. And she was known to be the most powerful woman in the world, but she healed with plants for the last five years. And she specifically worked with a cannabis plant that was given in real life to Viking women when they were pregnant and then also given to Viking men for courage. And I've been on a mission for the last five years to sort of normalize plant medicine, specifically cannabis and also mushrooms. And I mean the legal kind, not the magic kind. (laughs) Um, I come from a family that has deep traditions in the American South, and we've always had a multicultural approach to medicine and healing. What that really means is instead of going to the doctor, we always went to this Chinese herbalist that was in my town. And so I've never really been exposed to Western medicine for the majority of my healing experience. And so I wanted to bring that same energy to plants and how I view plants that might seem a little taboo. 
And so Mm -hmm. we're fundraising for that and creating a movement for that. It's really exciting times, but fundraising is a hard game. It's a hard, hard game, but it's really thrilling. Right on. That's excellent. So I didn't know that Thor's mom's name was Frigg. So that's super cool. So are you a fan of Marvel? Obviously you're a fan of Marvel because in your talk, your title had something to do with superpower Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. So let's talk. There's so much to talk about. So I want to hear about your company Frigg, but I, I also want to hear about like your love for Marvel so much that you're naming your businesses with that theme. So where does that come from? You know, I've always been interested in like personal growth, even though I wouldn't call it that. So, I'm, you know, I'm like, I was always obsessed with like my Myers-Briggs, our mm-hmm. strength finders, our Enneagram, or all those sort of like personality tests. And a lot of those are really around knowing your superpowers and your strengths mm-hmm. and really leaning in. And I was lucky that my first job was at Accenture and we were actually organized by our strengths mm-hmm. after strength finders. And so I've always had this approach of my career where I'm very aware of what I'm great at and what my superpowers are. And I'm equally aware of, of my weaknesses and my mm-hmm. kryptonite and things that I need to avoid or work on or get more support around. And so I think that's been helpful for my career because even when things aren't going my way, I know, I know how to set myself up for success. Like I just know the things I can really deliver on. Mm-hmm. And I also just also know, like when I'm on certain projects where like, oh shoot, <laughs> I'm not going to be the best one on this. <laughs> but like, if you tell people and set expectations, <laughs> yeah, you know, it kind of, you know, reduces some of that friction. So I've always just believed in really knowing your superpowers and really leaning into those more. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love the language that you use around professional development. I mean, the words that we use are not the words that everyone wants to use. I'm also obsessed with assessments. I remember back in high school, taking like employment assessments and stuff like that. And immediately I was obsessed. I was like, what? Like you can tell that just by asking me, well, it's like 795 questions, like sometimes they're forever. But I love that you do that. That is so cool. So um, strength finders is something that I get my clients to use. And knowing your superpower, as you stated, is something that I always encourage my clients. Like you need to know what you're good at. So what what would you say are your, your top strengths? I'm really good at human behavior and co- consumer. And what that's meant is consumer psychology. So knowing what people want knowing how to tell that story is one of my superpowers. The second is really understanding where we're going. So that's trends, that's forecasting, that's innovation and connecting human psychology with like new tech and like, okay, I can see a world where we could live in a metaverse Mm -hmm. and I could see how crypto would work in all of these things. I don't necessarily know anything about crypto, (laughs) (laughs) but I can make connections between what's happening in society and people and, and see how that might be relevant for business and, and in telling marketing stories. And then I think in my third one is really just my general attitude towards life. I'm a really good leader of people because I'm also just really chill. Like nothing is just really going to bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a new, that's not true, but what I mean to say is I know how to operate my sort of divine feminine power 
in a way where like I'm not overly competitive in this patriarchal kind of world we're in Mm -hmm. but I know how to tap into one versus the other at different times so I think having a balanced approach to leadership would I would call my third superpower that's beautiful I love it I love the language that you're using so tell us a little bit about Frigg and your family. You got some of these teachings from your family. So it's natural plant medicine is something that's important to you. So what is it that you're promoting in your business? Yeah. So what we're currently working on is what I would call sort of like herbal lattes. And so these are things that you would blend into your coffee or to your smoothies. And so it's using a low dose amount of cannabis and mushrooms like reishi and mataki with different herbs for a certain function. So we have formulas for immunity and we have formulas for mood and for sleep. And the reason why we combine them with cannabis is a little bit of cannabis. So we're not talking about getting high at all. Okay. We're talking about addressing anxiety. And so CBD and THC are really good what I call cannabinoids that really work on reducing cortisol, which is the stress hormone in our body. And so for the last five years, I actually worked on one of the largest cannabis wellness brands, which we started from a crock pot in a rundown house to a hundred million dollar business in three years. Amazing. It was a rocket ship, but it was topicals. And it was cannabis topicals. And a lot of people wouldn't have thought, oh, you could put cannabis on your body. But cannabis as a topical is really great for arthritis and inflammation and pain relief. So it's really sort of changing this narrative that when people think about cannabis, they think about smoking. Mm -hmm. And there's like so many other categories (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we can use these plants. And it's kind of interesting because it kind of over indexes and in the divine feminine and everything I do is kind of connected in a weird way because a lot of the reasons why we have the stigma against cannabis or even the stigma against mushrooms has a lot to do with female power or putting down a certain ethnic group. So even with like regular mushrooms, as an aside, Europeans eat four times more mushrooms than we do. So does a lot of Asian cultures. But mushrooms were over-indexed with like female healers from Nordic traditions uh, thousands of years ago. And so the church was very against people who used mushrooms, Hmm. not magic mushrooms, just regular mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And so in the United States, we actually only started eating like functional mushrooms 40 or 50 years ago in the 60s. Wow. And so plant medicine has kind of been demonized. We're kind of more of a pharma tradition in the United States than using sort of like more traditional or ancestral wisdom. It's still pretty common in Asia and in lots of other cultures to treat herbs just the same weight Mm -hmm. as going to a pharmacy. And I think we're on a trend in the United States where I think people are more open to natural Mm. medicines, but I think there's been a stigma of like, it's crunchy. It's woo-woo. It's... And I also have to play that balance because I do live in LA and do some woo-woo stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I do have to like find the line, but it's really about making it accessible and fun and not so intimidating and yeah. not so woo-woo is my mission. I feel like you're doing an amazing job at doing that. Like, this is exciting. I love the idea of having the mushroom mixture, the ratio, all that stuff for the coffee. Because first of all, I'm a coffee lover, love my coffee. 
but also I don't know, probably just like many people in Canada and the United States where we just don't understand. Like we think if we touch anything cannabis related, we're going to get high. We don't want to be fucked up. (laughs) So how does someone approach it? And I mean, there's so much to learn. How are you finding people coming up against that fear? And what are those conversations like? You know, it's so interesting because I really feel like I'm learning about like capitalism at its core because it's a brand new industry. And one of the things that's interesting about it is how did you learn how to drink alcohol? Like most people, when they drink alcohol, didn't really know how. It didn't no, not well. no, you're so right. <laughs> and it took time. And so the way people treat cannabis is like, oh, this one time I had this brownie and I hate it. I'm like, the first time you had alcohol did not go well. I just know it It's didn't. very true. Yeah. Yeah. We all say I'm never doing that again. And so it's because the alcohol industry has made it normal. But alcohol actually is, could be very, very, un- if you think about how alcohol, if you over-index it, if you overuse it, like you become violent in all these things against society you get really hot you're going to sleep (laughs) like you are not (laughs) yeah you know it's not a violent experience it's not gonna enrage you and and make you pissed off to go in and so it's interesting this sort of stigma and so you kind of have to really work on mindset of like why do you feel this way and surprisingly it's because of a lot of narratives specifically the war on drugs there was like reasons why this, why this was sort of hidden from you. But at the turn of the century in the 1910s, you could buy cannabis just like at a, at a pharmacy. It was just like such a common tonic. Actually, this is brand new. But yesterday I found out that there's this order called Americanitis. And it was about that the American people were too overworked. They were too stressed, too overwhelmed, and that there was too much information being thrown at them and it was in the abm the american what is that thing called where they list all the disorders and this is regarding cannabis too much information this was around just human psychology so like anxiety before anxiety was a thing there was actually a disorder called americanitis and it was actually first documented in 1898 in which Americans are being too exposed to information, too stressed out and needed to relax. And they were prescribed these Americanitis tinctures and tonics that had cannabis in them because Europe uh, was highly concerned that Americans were overworking themselves. And this was in 1906. Wow, that's so interesting. (laughs) And here we are a hundred years later, still in this paradigm And I know you're in Canada, but in America, it's just like, okay, we work the most. We don't take our vacations. We don't have healthcare being provided for us. We are taking all kinds of big pharma things for anxiety. Like seven out of 10 people said they have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that's more than we've ever had in society. But like, you don't often find anxiety in lots of other cultures. Why is that? Yeah. And so it's almost kind of like a hamster wheel. (laughs) We're creating the disorders that we're also like creating the drugs Mm -hmm. for the disorders. And so I'm suggesting that there's a more natural way. And if you think about it, coffee also was a drug. So it was illegal by the Pope for hundreds of years. I didn't know that. 
coffee is the same as can't you <laughs> like it is a drug yeah it's a drug and it was one time illegal and so it's just reframing these conversations with people wow it is a plant that's i love it it's it's so much fun and it's like cutting edge and it shouldn't be in some ways but it still is and the fact that you're so in depth with it I could just see you having a lot of fun. I mean, I follow you on Instagram, so I know that you're having fun. <laughs> That's it, great. It's wild. It is wild. I will say, like, I won't out anyone, but presidents, ambassadors, celebrities, I have met them all <laughs> for, like, getting their hookup. Um, wow. And it's interesting how people don't talk about their use, but I know that they're using. Yeah. And yeah. I've sent products to a number of senators and governors. <laughs> right on. Interesting. Like it, it's still such a taboo thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how I grew up in Winnipeg and Manitoba, where I grew up. I grew up in the North End. And me and my brothers and friends, like we were buying weed off the guy up the street, right? When we were like way too young to be doing this. So now for it to be coming back around and it being legal in Canada and you know going to parties and actually not even just parties like people are doing it all over the place everywhere I have to check myself to say like there's nothing wrong with it because the way that you brought up alcohol I will have alcohol so it's just so taboo it's just interesting I think we'll be healthier for it because I'm also not one that's just like hey everyone should go get stoned that's <laughs> I right I don't think that that's that healthy actually so yeah. like but we have to have a conversation of like, well, let's just be open so that we can discuss what we think as a society good use looks like. Right. I personally don't like going down the street and like you just smell yeah, loud yeah. and weed. Yeah, so I know. Like, but we need to be able to have a conversation of what we want that future to be and how to innovate against it because there's so many form factors that don't involve smoke. Right. Yeah. Um, That's interesting too. And I like that. And I also like what you said about like the alternative to pharmaceuticals and looking at more natural ways of taking care of the issues that seven out of 10 people are dealing with making it okay. This is okay. You would, most people are still a little bit, they don't talk about it publicly if they're going to a doctor and, and getting some sort of prescription but they're more prone to doing that than saying, hey, like maybe I should look at cannabis options and other natural ways, which that even that alone is intimidating because I find that there's a lot of information and people don't know where to start. That, that's how I feel sometimes. It is so true. It is very intimidating. But the more you dig deep into it, you're just like, it's amazing that this has been kind of kept from us a small sign if I could be geeky for a second please don't mind so what's really powerful about cannabis specifically is that we have something in our bodies called an endocannabinoid system endocannabinoid system it's in our bodies cannabis THC CBD are cannabinoids so what this means is our body actually produces cannabinoids Mm -hmm. okay so cannabis is the only plant that when we take, it can interact with this system that's in our body. Hmm. The endocannabinoid system in our body is responsible for balance. So it does things like 
Do I need to sleep more or less? Do I need to eat more or less? Do I need to drink more water or less? Do I need more? Like it's basically the control center for the body. Mm -hmm. And so if you take too much cannabis, like you're just getting high and you're smoking, your body just gets off balance. It Mm -hmm. gets high. It it can't work, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But if you take a little amount, you can actually get yourself back in balance. Interesting. And that's actually how it's been used historically. So I think it's so fascinating to find out that you actually have an endocannabinoid system in your body. It's actually balanced and your body is producing the same chemical as what's produced in the cannabis plant. And that's why it has such a profound impact on our body. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. It's very holistic and the way that you shared it. So beautiful. Yeah. It's very exciting. And You know, the last thing I'll say, and then we can go back to like talking about speaking and intuition and how it's all connected is the only part of the plant that's used. So there's female plants and and male plants. Cannabinoids, like what you smoke and where all this stuff comes from, only comes from the flower. And the only plant species of the plant that has flowers is the female plant. All male plants are killed. (laughs) You never want to have a male plant near a female plant because it'll destroy. As soon as the female plant gets fertilized, it won't produce flowers. So cannabis is a female plant. You will never like as soon as you see like a little ball sack on a plant, like you take the whole field down. Wow! It is only the female versions of the plant that have any economic value. Interesting. So many so, interesting points. That's awesome. So it kind of ties in, in the, and we're not saying that men's bad. Like, I don't believe in that. Just the feminine energy, like it's such a beautiful metaphor of like, we are healers. We do kind of intuitively know mm-hmm. how to take care of a child or how to heal ourselves. It's a very ancestral thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, there is some beauty in this into like intuitively knowing what's good for us and what's bad for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. So, so as a professional speaker, as someone who speaks very well, obviously enjoys it. Speaking on cannabis is clearly one thing. Yeah. You speak it for that. And the talk that I heard, you talked very much about intuition. And again, that was another topic that I was like, I love this. So tell us about why is intuition a superpower? It's sort of that guiding thing that is our own sort of GPS. And so actually it kind of ties into my whole sort of like cannabis story as well in the sense of you kind of have to know because there wasn't any scientists or anything. Like I had to know, like, is this helping my body or not? And you're going up against something that's federally illegal and all these things. You had to go against all this stigma. So it was the first time, like when I'm thinking about my career and my health, like, is this the right path? Like, do I want to do this? (laughs) So following cannabis, this is what you're saying. You're Mm -hmm. asking yourself this. Like, wait a second. This is federally illegal. The government is telling me that this is bad. Or the church is saying this is bad. And yet I'm experiencing something that's healing me. Or I believe in this, but there's not really any scientific studies telling me this. I have to trust what I actually know. And so it was such an amazing gift, this field of work, because I had to be like, no, this is what I believe to be true. Like, I know in my body what's true or not, even though the world is telling me something else. 
Wow, that's powerful. And, and it was a crazy ride because, I mean, the world is loud. Yeah. And one person in it, right? And so it really made me tap into that intuitive power. And I found that in plant medicine and in spirituality, that is a really big topic about knowing yourself and going into yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've often found that we're all kind of trying to know ourselves and find meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And then we just get wildly distracted by everything else. Totally. Um, and one of the great things in researching for that speech that's still like, I have to tell myself all the time is like, one of the greatest things that stop intuition is distraction. Mm -hmm. And the fact that distraction is the opposite of traction. And so I actually had to print that out and say, oh my goodness, as a society, our society is actually not helping us tap into our intuition. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, the CEO of Netflix, he had a banner year, obviously. And he was talking about like who his number one competitors were. I guess what he said, mm. sleep. <laughs> sleep was his number one competition. I don't get it. Growing Netflix. And it was just like, would he it, does would not it, want you to go to sleep. He wants you to keep watching Netflix and binging shows that he is competing for your time. He is competing for your attention and sleeping is the only thing stopping wow. him from winning. Sleep is his competition. Otherwise he feels like he can get you for 10 hours a day, 15 wow. hours a day. Oh my God. And it's true. Like it's working. <laughs> so when a CEO of a company just so cavalier says that, you know, it really does put it into reframe of what's happening right now in the world, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. everything, podcasts, newsletters, we're all competing for people's time. Yeah. People's attention. Yes. And if you're giving all of it to other people and not to yourself, you won't hear yourself. Right. You won't hear your intuition. You won't really know what you actually believe. And I believe that's actually the source of anxiety. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. So I want to go back to that statement that you said, distraction is the opposite, opposite of attraction. So explain that the opposite of traction. So traction is really about achieving what you want, getting what you want. That is, I'm getting traction on this goal, et cetera. Okay. The opposite of getting what you want is a distraction. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, it's literally in the word distraction. Yeah. And so for me, wow, very good. it's powerful. And for me, I've been like, I'm obsessed with TikTok. Obsessed. Like I can <laughs> feel myself like going in where I'm like, Kimberly, this is yeah. insane. You're not even watching an actual show. You're just like, it's like, what are those things at, at Vegas? Oh, um, like the slot machine. I don't even know what content I'm going to get. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I'm just like, I just need another hit. I just need another hit. I just need <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure everyone I, listening to this can relate. I am not watching a show. It's not like this is some two hour movie with my favorite actors. Yeah, you get to choose. <laughs> Yeah, you get to choose. Yeah. And you go into the vortex. And I have to tell myself, Kimberly, is me watching this Idaho potato farmer more important than like what I what I need to do? Like, do I need this information right now? Yeah. Do I need to watch the news right now? Do I need to watch this show right Good now? for you. Or is this the opposite of traction in my life? <laughs> I love that question. Oh my God. And even just saying in distraction, it's distraction. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. 
and it and it can apply to everything. I mean, it could also apply, as I said earlier, that Americanitis disorder was claimed in 1906 before social media. Yeah. So humans been humaning this whole time. Yeah. People can be distractions. Yeah. <laughs> Bad yeah. friends can be distractions. Gossip can be distractions. Like there's a lot of we're blaming social media, but there could be a lot of distractions in your life. Right. Right. So let's go back for a second to following your intuition when you're getting into this new career that like there's a whole bunch of rules against it and everything, but you knew in your body that this was right. So I want to really talk about when you're going through that, it can be scary because you, I think as most people, I want to make sure I'm following the rules and being respectful. I'm liked, right? Blah, 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 all that stuff. So you want to do the right thing. But you know, within, like, I know what is the right thing. So like, what was that like for you? And what was actually happening? You know, it's still an ongoing thing. in the sense that like, it's still federally illegal. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, know, it's legal in Canada. It is legal in Canada. It mm-hmm. is not legal in the United States. It's legal in my state, but it's not legal in my country. And so, interesting. you know, that that's still an interesting dichotomy if someone's being a purist with words right right (laughs) what that actually means and if you want that label and and what that means you know in a society so it's still like a day a daily sort of struggle well not struggle it's like I always have to check in right? right but that's really about delivering a listening practice about is this still meeting my own personal tolerance threshold Mm-hmm. Who's to say in two months my threshold might get met? That's right. I don't hold myself to being the same every day. Like right now I'm good, <laughs> but yeah. tomorrow could be different. And I think that is listening to your intuition because your priorities might change. Right. I think I have the privilege of, I don't have children. If I had children, I might feel very differently about this in the mm-hmm. sense of the types of risks I would have for my family. So it's really around knowing what is good for you in this moment and always having a practice of connecting with yourself and saying, is this still true for me today? Mm-hmm. Being okay with whatever that answer is. I think sometimes we get, we romance our past selves. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. This is kind of related, but not <laughs> at all. <laughs> but they say that most of the music you listen to are your musical taste is defined between like when you were like 16 to 25. And then there's just like a general point where like new music doesn't really enter into your sort of lexicon. And I think we can do that with ourselves where we hold on to a version of Kimberly from 10 to 15 years ago and how I thought of myself 10 or 15 years ago and not realize that like I have a whole new playbook Mm -hmm. of experiences and views and values that happen today or what I might have been afraid of 13 years ago is not true today right and so I think there's also that kind of conversation of like you're different every day Mm -hmm. you're growing all the time and so not being married to who you were in the past Mm -hmm. so powerful so what do you do and what is your like regular practice that you do to check in with your intuition so I have, I'm a big journaler. Mm-hmm. I don't journal every day, but I have kept every journal since I was 13 
And I will say, I've had the same thought for like 20 years. <laughs> like if you pick up any journal, yeah, which is very solidifying because it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm Kimberly Dillon. Like why would, like there's some things that just don't change. I draw the same drawings in each journal. <laughs> so I, what, what do you mean that the thought doesn't change? In the sense that like, if you read what I was thinking when I was 17, it feels very similar mm. to the things I think at 37. Like it might be different things, but how I mm. write them are the same. The same weird alien drawings I drew when I was nine, I still draw now at 41. Like, <laughs> Wow, that's fascinating. I never thought of it that way. I have journals all over the place. Like I found one that was probably about 20 years old and I was scared to look at it I was like oh my god but I looking at it I could kind of remember the time and I was yeah. like oh that was a sad time and so that was one of the reasons why I was scared to look at it but that's such a good point that you it's a letter basically to you because eventually I'll read it and it, it's you to you like that's pretty cool I never thought of that that way yeah and I actually had a practice of writing to myself in the future yeah I do the and same thing <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted to journaling every day and it's been wild because not even thinking about it, things I would say like just randomly happened mm -hmm. weren't really that random if you looked at my journal because I had actually asked for it or thought like, when I'm 28, I'm going to live in LA by the ocean, but I've never thought of living in LA like consciously. Right. But then when I looked back at it, I was like, oh, I wrote that when I was 18. And actually when I was 13, I made a collage of LA. <gasps> Oh my goodness, that's so cool. Weird. Our um my screensaver has been the same for like 15 years. Yeah. And it's of travel locations. And I have been everywhere that my screensaver has been, but not intentionally. It just enters wow. my mind and not just like the city, like it is the exact same photo. <gasps> oh my goodness, that's incredible. I love Unconsciously. it. Consciously. I love it. I mean, what that says to me is you're very connected, very intuitive, and just aligned. Do you feel that? Do you feel that you're aligned? You know, actually, I didn't really think I was that aligned until I wrote the speech. So, oh my like, goodness, the myself. culmination. <laughs> I was writing it to myself. Wow. Wow. I tend to forget things because Frigg is a goddess, a Viking goddess, and one of my good friends was like looking at it, I was like, that's kind of random. You love Marvel, I get this, etc. In my journal when I was 18, I wrote a list of goddesses for some random reason. And at 18, I knew about Frigg and Athena and all of these people and I drew doodles of them at 18 and I've never thought about it since. <laughs> wow, amazing. I was like, oh, all these things, all these patterns in your life, they have meaning. Like all of this has meaning and that your subconscious and your intuition is that GPS and you're either listening to it or you're ignoring it. And so the speech was an amazing gift to myself where I was like, oh shit. Wow. <laughs> the same stuff keeps coming up for me. That's incredible. I love that. And that makes my heart very happy. So what, what's next for your speaking career? Where are you wanting to go with it? And what are your topics? Yeah. So it's really around, I'm actually thinking of, of exploring TikTok as the channel 
to manifest mm-hmm. this so I can mm-hmm. turn my distraction into traction. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see that happening. And really talking about getting to know yourself, because I think we're in a crisis of not truly knowing ourselves and not knowing our meaning and our purpose. Yes. And I'm specifically around so many young people who there's just so many messages and how do you find out who you really are? And even not even young people, like just people in their forties and fifties who I think we're all just facing like, what is the point of all this? What is the meaning? What is true? What do I believe? What do I want? What does the future hold? And you know, I think we have the answers inside of us or we have the tools to figure it out inside of us. And so, you know, with everything I do, I want it to be approachable and fun and light and be a vessel of how it can be intimidating, but it doesn't need to be. And it can be fun and it mm-hmm. can be joyful and it can be light. Cause I think sometimes what is my purpose in life? Fill out this 15 page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty intimidating and so having fun with it because I think that's also a thing I really consider to be a, a superpower mm-hmm. that I think we're meant to have fun and to be happy and to be joyful and not so serious all the time yes oh I love that this this has been so much fun I think that you are a goddess you are you just shine I love this all the stuff that you're talking about I have no doubt that the work that you're going to do, your TikToks, your businesses is going to be successful. And I love, I love how we wrap this up with life is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be so serious. And you're doing some pretty serious things in the most fun way. Amazing. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. It's really exciting. And yeah, the fun can be your GPS. (laughs) Yes. So at Kimberly Dillon on Instagram, is it the same for your TikTok handle? Yes. Okay. So I'll put those in the show notes. Any other, anything else that you want to share before we wind up? Frig at getfrig.com uh, and uh, also on Instagram. I would so appreciate your support. Yes. So I'm going to put those in the show notes as well. And so another question actually that I just thought of is, because there's the existing challenges that you're dealing with with Frigg in the U.S., is it something that you can bring to Canada? <laughs> like, how's that work? It's crazy. Potentially, yeah. Actually, that's what a lot of American brands are doing because it's not technically legal in my own country. So while I can't sell to Nevada uh-huh. because that's crossing state lines, I can do a deal in Canada. Very sweet. I I need to know when that happens. Super excited to check it out. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Miigwech, egose, merci. Please don't leave without hearing me tell you that you are worthy and your time is worthy, which is why I'm so happy you chose to listen to this podcast. If there was something in this message that resonated with you, Please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story and take me at jessicadumas01 because if you found this helpful, your friends and your cousins will want to know about it. Until next time, decide you are worthy of what you want and go get it.